everybody. Welcome to Dipped in Tone. I'm Zach, and you might notice, yet again, we can't find Rhett. I text him, and it just comes back as undeliverable. I don't know what's going on. So in lieu of Rhett, I have my dear friend, Mr. Mick Taylor. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking me on. Um, we could pretend I'm Rhett, maybe. Yeah. See, well, we just had Joey on, and I said, he just needs to, like, puff his hair out. So do you, could you go, like, make it kind of into a fro or something real quick? Make it, make it bigger. Yeah, we could do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so how have you been? It's been a while. Uh, it has been a while. Um, I don't think I've seen you in person, Zach, since you were here with uh, with Morgan and Graham. Yes. Uh, and that must be, well, at least three years ago because it was before the boringness of COVID. So uh, that, It was literally... Uh, I left March 8th, I think, yeah. from from England. So it was right before lockdown kind of started. So we kind of felt like we dodged a bullet. But yeah, I was thinking about that on the drive to work today because Graham was, <laughs> he was so little and he just like played on the, the farm that you guys are uh, next to and yeah. stuff. And it was, it was our, it was our favorite part of our trip over there was coming to hang with you guys it was it was a blast oh so. man it was a good day so what he's now lending you money and buying you beers is that how that works <laughs> basically yeah i mean I, i'm hoping <laughs> he every we do uh he has like his little cash um his his uh where anytime he gets christmas money or something his little box he puts all his money in and every time we're like oh we're gonna go you know run around to the store and he's like i, I want to buy something it's like no you don't need anything he's like, i have money i have money and he'll like run upstairs like no <laughs> but um but yeah so basically um we're just gonna have a conversation hang out oh, gonna talk about things to try not to keep it um too boring for you because <laughs> i'm sure um <laughs> Being in the community that that we're in, we answer a lot of the same questions over and over and over again. You know what? One of the questions that that Dan and I get asked, and I'm sure you get asked all the time as well. It's like, don't you don't you ever get bored of talking about this stuff? And I'm like, no. Right. Until someone stops asking, which order should I put my overdrive pedals in? Uh, how can I get a good sound at low volume? You know, they are the same questions day in day out, and they're the same questions mm -hmm. that we had when we were just starting out and we still have the same questions and it never gets boring because the answers morph and change and you learn more. And, you know, it, just before we kick off, that's the thing that I find so amazing about all of this, even as uh, immersed in it as we are, it, you still keep learning every time we plug in, every yeah. time we turn the cameras on, we learn something. And I, I love that. So it, it can never be too boring for me. <laughs> okay. Well, good. Well, before we get started, um, I have to thank our patrons on Patreon. So thanks to everybody for supporting the show. Uh, if you want to join the community, go to patreon.com slash dipped in tone, and you can learn all about the tiers and whatnot. And then we have our sponsor of the episode, which is Sweetwater. And for Sweetwater, Rhett and I are doing giveaway and I want to share with you the rigs we have chosen. And I just want to get, I'm not going to tell you whose is who. And I want to see which one that, that you like, cause Rhett and I have an argument. So basically <sighs> we have two rigs. Yeah. One of which is a classic vibe telly, a blues junior, a Behringer Octaver, um, kind of like a, a pog sort of thing, the JHS three series fuzz, and then the smaller, boss space echo the new one and the other rig is a prs se semi hollow 
a DNM drive, a flashback, TC Electronic flashback, and then the Supro uh, Delta King, one of the smaller Supro amps. So between those two, which one would you go for, Mick? Uh, I like them both. I've got to say I like them both. There's some, there's a good bunch of variety on the first board. Uh, the PR semi hollow sounds kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. cause I'm, as you, uh, viewers of the show will know that Dan's a telly guy. I do love tellies, but I don't, I don't, I don't get to play them so much. I like the simplicity of the second, uh, rig. And what'd you say? The first amp was a blues junior and the second mm-hmm. one was the Supro Delta King. Yeah. Is the Supro Delta King like 10 inch speaker? I think that this one might be the bigger one. It might have a 12. Bigger one. I'm not, if it's, I'm not entirely if it's sure. the it's bigger a... one, if it's the bigger one, I'm going with the second rig. All right. <laughs> and it has a DNM drive. Is... So, you know, yeah, hello. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well uh, to learn more about that, you can go to sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone, check it out, enter to win and, uh, you know, shop on Sweetwater while you're there too. But let's just get started. So the first question I wanted to touch on was how does it feel to have such a profound effect on the community as a whole when you guys feature something that I know for me it happened and it it felt like it set the world on fire. But when you guys show stuff, it can just completely change a builder's life or get the entire community talking. And how does that feel to have that sort of effect? If you think about it, if you if you if we actually acknowledge that that does happen, then it, it's heavy um, yeah. because you know that anything you say uh, could be, you know, as you say, can have huge effects. So um, I guess what we try and do, I think one of the reasons that, that of the, of the handful of channels that, that have that kind of effect, one reason that, P, uh, that TPS has it is because we don't think about it. And mm-hmm. because, we only ever do what we want. We only ever feature the stuff we genuinely like. So if it does have an effect, it feels like an effect that is um, in some way, it's a cliched word, but in some way authentic. Mm-hmm. And it's not done, it's not contrived, it's not paid for, it's not done because somebody's paying us to say it. It's not. It's done because we both have a genuine love of this thing. And I think that's what translates. It's the... Um, it's that, well, you know, we're all the same, right? We're all completely nuts about guitar tones and guitars and pedals and amps and all of that. And the whole point of TPS right at the beginning was is for an outlet for Dan and I to be able to do that because we both right. work in the industry or we both have worked in the industry all our working lives. And it's quite hard to have that just, um, in a way, no holds barred outlet. Mm-hmm. Certainly as a former magazine journalist, you know, you had to be very careful what you said on magazines and um, certainly on the kind of magazines that I worked for, the brand was everything. To have a personal opinion was not really allowed or required. It was, you were representing the brand. So um, if you think about it, it's heavy. And if you know it might hurt somebody's business, then I guess that's why we don't feature stuff that we hate <laughs> right. or that yeah. we wouldn't choose to use. Uh, but the stuff that we would happily use and we do use and we feel passionate about, then great. If that gives someone a leg up or helps somebody sound better, happy days, happy days. It yeah. feels good in in that way. Well, it, I think you mentioned that you guys don't get paid for this. And I think that's something that everyone might not know that, you know, there's so many gear channels and a lot of yeah. them are paid and, you know, that's fine. These, that's these 
that's their business. Um, that's how they survive. But you guys just get, I mean, when I was there, the amount of gear that was just laying around that wasn't even in the studio part of the, the, the building was just remarkable. But the fact that you only feature stuff that you enjoy, you know, there, there have been times where I've watched you guys and it's like, oh, I can tell that's not like yeah, completely setting the world on fire, but it's also, you know, they don't hate it. Um, and cause sometimes it's good to have the conversation, you know, just talk about like the existence of something and, you know, what it could be used for. But, um, I think that the community as a whole needs to keep that in the back of their mind when they're watching stuff, that this is not some paid sponsorship thing. The only thing that you guys are doing is, is, is sharing the gear that you get, which could you talk about that? Cause I know I'll send you guys things and other people do, and it takes a while to get stuff moving just because there's so much stuff that arrives at your doorstep. Like how often yeah. are you receiving packages? Oh, every day. I mean, we, we, when we first got going, I, I would just say as well that, you know, of the paid channels, people who get paid to demo gear, I think they do an absolutely invaluable job. Right. And those who do it with integrity and, you know, some of the people who do it are, are just master musicians. They're supremely creative. And I think there is a difference between a demo and a review. Yes. So a demo is look what this thing can do. And if you've got someone who's creative and a great player and thinks about it out of the box or in the box, doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, and it gives the, you know, the, the person who's going to think about buying that pedal, it gives them a really good idea of some of the potential because, you know, as guitar players, what do we want? We want ideas, right? And right. I might be just flicking through Instagram or whatever it is. And I just get an idea. I'm like, great. Awesome. That person has given me an idea. So I, the people who do that is extremely valuable. And, um, you know, I watch those channels. Sometimes if I want to see a piece of gear, I'll go to whoever it might be and, and enjoy that. Dan and I said right from the get-go that we wouldn't do that for a couple of reasons. One is having been a journalist on a magazine and watched that industry become more and more corporately influenced. Long story, but anyway, I just wasn't comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we decided we just wanted to be in an environment where we could do what we wanted because we were so passionate about what we wanted. Secondly, right. we're just, we couldn't possibly be organized enough. <laughs> you know, Dan, Dan runs a really busy business. I was running yes. a really bu busy business at the time. So it was all in our spare time. Um, and being able to, we're, we are both utterly, as you, you may well know, Zach, we are both terrible at communicating with people <laughs> and keeping in touch and, and doing all of that. We're both completely rubbish at it. So, um, we did. We just didn't want the 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 kind of, I guess, the admin of mm -hmm. having to be on for people that we were serving. Right. More more deeply than that, I would also say that one of the things that got really confused when I was on magazines is the is the who is your customer. Right. So for me, the customer was always the reader because that was the person who was going into the store or buying it on subscription or however they did it, and reading your stuff so when i'm writing something i'm writing it for them because i feel like they're my customer right if you're being paid to do something or if your advertising revenue is so huge that your customer starts becoming the advertiser that creates 
a conflict of interest for me. And I don't think there's anything sinister in it. I don't think anyone would right. set out to try and mislead anybody. I think it's more about you just get a bit confused about who your customer is. So long story short, yeah, I mean, we get sent a ton of stuff all the time. And we went through this one stage where manufacturers were sending us two of every single thing they did. And we had to politely go back and say, look, oh man, we're, you know, we're blown away by that, but we can't, <laughs> A, we've got nowhere to put it and B, right. it might, it might not all be relevant to us. So, yeah. um, and, and you know, the, the sort of the golden standard of doing something like this is that's what we spend our days doing is going through mm. new gear and playing it and, you know, being completely immersed. But as you know, you know, you don't spend your whole day designing pedals. You spend most of your day dealing with paint shop problem, right. um, <laughs> paying invoices. Uh, and, and there does come a point where some days I'll get to the end of the week and go, I haven't touched a guitar this week. Right. Because the, the admin around everything else is just, just to keep the thing moving, you know? So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I recently hired a uh, manager i got matthew timmons who was working at novo guitars and he's working for me now oh, cool. and it's been such a it's been such a godsend not having to deal with quickbooks every day and no. you know chasing uh invoices and 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 just like having someone to help you um just remember deadlines because there's i feel like we live in a world where these these things can do so much yeah, for man. us and yet it still feels like sometimes it's impossible to get anything done. So yeah. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have two sets of, uh, you know, you've got the thing that you're trying to do creatively, three things mm -hmm. really. So the things you're trying to do creatively, the internal reality of making that happen. And as a business gets bigger, obviously that, that needs managing. And then you've got your customers who at the end of the day, are the most important thing possible. And the amount of, you will know selling things to people that the amount of, administration that that creates alone you know i don't know how many emails you get a day but we get hundreds and it's yeah. like you have to sort of you have to put an auto reply saying on oh, look we're really sorry there's no way we can answer every single one of these emails sure. otherwise it would take us till the end of time so is most of your communication from people just asking questions because that's like my instagram inbox that's where i get most of my communication because that's where i feel like i have yeah. the largest community but is that kind of what you guys get just bombarded with with just yeah. general I mean, the, conversation there's there's some stuff we don't look at at all so i don't look at instagram messages i just can't um yeah. we're pretty active in comments on youtube yeah so we say look if you've got a question about a specific video make it in the comments and you know uh, you know how youtube studio works you see the latest things that come in so we yeah. stay on that and if someone asks a question i would say 99 times out of 100 we answer it mm -hmm. no matter what that question might be What's very difficult to do in addition to that is sort of random email yeah. questions about people wanting to know which overdrive pedal to buy. And you sort of have to re politely reply and say, there's no way I can answer that for you. Please watch some videos right? where, where we've asked and answered that question and come up with a conclusion. We can't tell you. <laughs> right. You've got to try. You've got to try some stuff. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing that's it's so funny is you guys. So what year is this for that pedal show? This is the seventh year? Seventh or... year. I know we were talking about it yesterday and wow. I'm like, that, it can't be true. It can't be true, but it is. And in, in that time, cause like I was thinking about this, you know, recently when you guys started, cause the, I feel like the first video I saw was the Klon one, which was on 
Dan's the Gig Rig channel, which wasn't even. Was like, that the one where I'm dressed up as a game show host? <laughs> no, I don't think you're sitting in like the old room and you have the Ryra oh, yeah. and like, yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah, that was seven years ago. Um, Holy moly. And that was like one of the first ones I saw, but you guys have created this, you know, repository of, of videos. But you know, when it began, it was very much a lot of comparison stuff, conversation stuff about, you know, pedal specifically. And it's evolved so much. <laughs> I mean, now you have full bands, things and stuff going on at, at the studio. Where do you see the channel going? And and furthermore, it's, what keeps you inspired? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, so when we started, we if you look at some of those old videos, we were so timid. Yeah. You know, the, the, the original sort of um, ethos for it in a way was that Dan was sort of set up as the guy who knew everything. And I was there to probe the questions and get the mm -hmm. information out of him. And it worked really well. Uh, and then it kind of grew into its own thing. So alongside all of that, we're learning, you know, we're still learning all the time. Dan's been playing guitar for, well, about the same amount of time I have and mm -hmm. which would be, well, it's, it's 40 years for goodness sake. We're, but Dan's just over 50. I'm just coming up to 50. Mm -hmm. And I would say I've been playing guitar seriously since I was 13 years old. Yeah. And, and not seriously since I was about seven. So and then, of course, I walked straight out of university pretty much into a guitar related job. So yeah. all, all of my serious work in life has been has been in and around the industry. So even with even with that whole back catalogue and, you know, in my case, being able to. Right from right from the get go, being able to be around people like uh, Paul Reed Smith, Randall yeah. Smith at Boogie, um, visiting some of the world's biggest and best guitar factories you know having access to those kind of people and then latterly you know guys like you and the people we've met since it never stops yeah. and we keep learning and i keep having these sort of deepening of knowledge so in terms of the actual question where's the channel going one of the things i feel quite passionately about is one of the things we've learned more and more and more I guess we always knew it, but it, it, it starts to make more sense is that whole idea of what's best and what's better is right. It's just doesn't make any sense. Right. Everyone desperate to know what the best pedal is for $200 or, or whatever. And it's like, no man, you've got to turn that on its head and say, what inspires you to play? Yeah. Because, and you've got to go there to come back, you know, look at, look at this It's ridiculous. And guitars and amps and all this crazy stuff and we're in this very privileged position of being able to have gone there <laughs> right and come back and gone actually this is the stuff i really love and try not to get too in your head about it so if we can promote that message a little more that makes me happy and in addition to that there is a something slightly it, it weighs heavy on you after a while where you're staring down this lens as i am now and it is aesthetically and it's very different than being with human beings in a room. So yes. on a much lower level, we've started to do these things called experience days. We have six people in, they come in, they spend the whole day. We plug them into a loud amp, maybe for the first time they get to play a vintage guitar. They can play anything they want. And some of the people that come, you know, might just be starting out on their playing journey. I absolutely guarantee at some point in the day, they make music yeah in in what whatever way makes sense to them might just be a few chords might be a groove and you can watch it happen they're super nervous because they're around a bunch of other people and you know what it's like you hand someone oh, a guitar yeah. 
in that environment and you just feel nervous about it. And then as those nerves drip away, Dan and I are usually on our knees trying to find a tone that's going to light them up. Right. And then you just see them go. You see these wings grow. And, and for even if it's just for a few minutes, they're lost in it. Yeah. And that that is what inspires me at this point is helping other people get to the... I mean, it probably sounds ridiculously altruistic, but... <laughs> It, that's what inspires me is is having more people realize you know if you spend two hours less worrying about whether you should buy a timeline or a echo station <laughs> right <laughs> and t 20 more minutes just playing yeah. uh your life will be better so and, and I, I again to top that all off and i'm sorry for the long answers but no, no. i i'm i am a firm advocate of doing what you love and being immersed in music makes mm -hmm. the whole of the rest of your life better. So that it sounds, you know, sounds a bit heady or whatever, but um, that's what motivates me is seeing people get there. Right. And I'm sure that doing the experience days was, because the same kind of thing happens for me. Cause like, we, similarly, we kind of, we live in this box, we're making stuff, we're connecting with people, but kind of indirectly. But the moment you can sit with someone and see their face or or hear how their playing changes or the whole uh, vibe changes whenever they get a sound that inspires them, it just kind of brings you back to earth a bit and, yeah, and right. reminds you why you suffer <laughs> so often <laughs> on, at your craft. Um, when I don't know if this is anything that we ever talked about, but for me getting started in all this part of it um, yeah. is was very hard because I am remarkably shy. I, I've gotten over it over the years because of just practice and rehearsal really, mm -hmm. but it took a long time for it to come natural. How, like, was that something that you, because of your history working for magazines and whatnot and meeting so many people, did you have that comfort level already or was it, was it different the moment that the red light came on for you guys? Yeah, I guess, um, so same as you playing in bands and stuff is one kind of, uh, confidence. Yeah. And, and I guess that's a collective confidence because if it is a band, then you have the whole band and, you, and there's that sort of camaraderie and there's a actual humans in the room sure. and the, the feedback is instant. The hard thing about online, I guess, certainly in the early days when it was much more wild west, I mean, it still is wild west, but mm. was learning yeah how to get over that fear of of just being natural for want of a better way to put it right because i think what we're all doing in that moment same as red light fever you're worrying about stuffing up and you're worrying about people not liking you and of course that's a huge part of being online as anyone yeah. who is online will know we're super lucky the amount of hate we get is tiny proportionally mm -hmm. it is is infinitesimally small Right. Maybe one in a thousand comments might be slightly negative and one in 5,000 might be downright unpleasant. Right. And that's pretty low percentage compared to some other people I know online. So learning to deal with that is, was probably harder than being natural, <laughs> natural on camera, but you can right. watch it over the, over the genesis of, um, of, of TPS where we're really super timid in the early days. 
And we're both really holding back on the plane because we don't want to show off. We don't want to, you know, let go because we don't want to be seen to be showing off and all that kind of stuff. And then I guess, like you say, with repetition and practice, you just kind of get over it. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know. I can't even remember who told me, but they said, look at the lens and imagine you're talking to a friend and and that, that still helps me. I don't know if you saw the show we did with Pete uh, Thorne last week. Not yet. Okay. Dan asked Pete a question about um, how does he deal with that with, with, you know, let's say he was on stage with Chris Cornell or Paul Rogers from free or Alice Cooper. And he's, you know, he's, (laughs) he's got to play a, you know, a Soundgarden solo or he's got to play a, all right now solo or he's got to play schools out you know you stood on stage with the dude what what how do you even get over that and he says well if you're worried about it it's a form of selfishness because you're worried about what people think of you much better to go hang on what does that guy there want from this guitar solo what does what does that audience member want from this guitar solo if i can channel that and deliver to them it's not about me anymore. It's about channeling this this thing and giving it to them. So without really knowing it, I think Dan and I have been doing that for a while. It's been thinking about what does what does the viewer want? You know, what do they yeah. what's what's going to be useful to them rather than are they gonna think I'm a you know, insert swear word here. <laughs> you can curse, it's fine. Uh can I? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, um, I'm English. It's it's part of our uh, it's part of our vernacular. So <laughs> Right. Um, this next question, I, it it may be controversial for you, but I, I mentioned this a lot about myself. When I play guitar, I tend to not really use pedals because I kind of get tired of them sometimes. I mean, I I love what I make (laughs) and and I, when I, when I play it, I enjoy it. But most of the time when I play guitar, I just want to experience a guitar and an amp in a loud way. And just connect with with the the air in the room. Do you ever get tired of pedals? <laughs> uh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, funnily enough, there's been a theme in TPS over the last few months where we've been getting more amps and cranking them, yeah. and uh, just enjoying that. Like you say, the, I guess the issue I have with it is where, like so many, um, like so many issues, it immediately becomes a false dichotomy. Mm-hmm. For example, is is pedal distortion better than amp distortion? It's like, well, hang on, rewind. What we like is an amp that's on the edge and maybe just into overdrive. And then if we want to push it with a pedal or shape it in some way, you know, that's that's not, it's not quite as, we've created a false dichotomy here. So I I, I enjoy the ecosystem of, of a whole rig and yeah. that might change depending on, on your mood. And I guess we've all, once you've been playing for a while and anyone watching this or listening to this will hopefully be able to relate, you know, it's a curve, isn't it? One minute I've got the most complicated board imaginable. And I even <laughs> did MIDI once. <laughs> right. And then the next minute I say, I've said it a few times on the show just recently. I said to Dan, I said, you know what? I'm just bored of overdrive pedals. Sure. I'm really bored of overdrive pedals. What I like is my amp cranked and I just like hitting it with a, you know, with a treble booster or a, a, a booster of some other kind sure. so yeah i do the the other thing is is the fatigue of going oh you know do i prefer this analog delay or that analog delay and that does right. i've learned how to snap out of that now mm-hmm. like a being stuff constantly it's like no 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 if i just 
make a choice and spend 20 more minutes learning the set, the tone is going to be better for me playing better, not because I've got the right pedal on the board. So. 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so... Like all guitar playing, it, you're playing the instrument. And, and, and regardless of how incredible or complicated an effect is, if you don't know your part or don't feel yeah. inspired then it kind of doesn't yeah. matter. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, one thing that I've done over the past, um, about a year or so, uh, even though I have, I have, there's my two rock and there's all sort there's a stack of amps there. I've started to adopt recording demos digitally. Um, yeah. Using the neural plugin stuff. And I know you guys, I mean, you use digital pedals occasionally, um, but I feel like you have, maybe not directly said it, but I feel like you would be the one to ask, like, would you ever try any of those digital amp solutions or like a plugin or something? I mean, for, for recording purposes. Yeah, I tried them all. Um, mm -hmm. and certainly in my time as a, as a journalist, you know, we were required to either review or certainly yeah. be across all of that stuff. Um, cause I, one thing I'm thinking I, about is, the fact you guys really enjoy like wet dry setups yeah. and the complexity of that in a, in a room. I mean, it's not that, you know, it's not, <laughs> you're not wiring a rocket or anything. You're, you know, you're just hooking up amps. Yeah. But um, like something like the quad cortex, you know, allows for such yeah. amazing, like to do all rigs. of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's about hours in. I, I certainly yeah. think that, um, well, I think two things actually. I was going to say that beautifully well recorded and mixed, I, I defy anyone to really tell any difference where I think I can tell the difference is it's everything else that goes along with it. So the, the records yeah. I like, the music I like, any music that I've enjoyed making has been a collaborative uh, effort of musicians in a room playing together. Right. And um, I still, still all my favorite records are usually tracked that way. The, the beds happen together. Um, and I guess once you start breaking everything down to its minute constituent part and tracking everything and programming drums and stuff, I've, for me, all the soul goes away. Now there are people that can do it and do it, you know, masterfully well. Right. But the sort of pain of having done a lot of that and then listening back and going, I'm just not really digging this. I'd rather have it played less well, but have the vibe of the take. Sure. And for me, that does require kind of an amp in a room sort of approach. Now, that's yeah. not saying that if, if I have the great luxury of having a room where we can do that. And a lot of my friends, you know, similar kind of deal. But if you don't have that, I don't think it makes any sense whatsoever trying to mic an amp up in a compromised space because right. you can't get it loud enough. The room might sound dreadful. So, of course, you're going to be better off with a solution that solves a load of those problems. For me, it's about barrier to entry. So um, mm -hmm. I, I certainly don't have any problem with technology. I use complex software to do all kinds of things. But goodness, it takes me a long time to learn it. <laughs> so learning learning something like Premiere for video editing or color grading or, you know, getting around a even a something simple as Logic or, you know, any other recording software to be able to work quickly 
and without impediment to creativity is the hard bit we we made a a video on tuesday was it maybe we just asking the question what can i plug my guitar into so thinking about when we were eight years old (laughs) or Uh or 13 years old what's what's hanging around the house that i can plug my guitar into and how can i do that and we go through a bunch of stuff we plug into a tv and a (laughs) hi-fi system and all of that and actually what we discovered by the end of the video we did it we did invoke some modern technology like um uh an app on the phone Mm -hmm. and also uh an amp simulation pedal and the app on the phone it was like okay yep need to get the guitar into the app oh god i haven't got the right cable right etc 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 the guitar emulation pedal the phone wouldn't connect to the the pedal it it worked fine in the rehearsal you know when we were just making sure everything worked and then come the video it didn't work it wouldn't connect and i think that's that's my barrier to entry with anything like that is if if the technology stops you then it's done it's gone for me otherwise i got to spend four weeks learning how to not get there but that said i've done plenty of recordings where i've had to put a, a layered part in or um it's been for a little jingle for somebody or something like that and i will happily use an amp sim happily. right no point it, mic in an amp up for that there's there's something so um maybe debilitating is not the right word but when 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 you have to like reset your brain to like plug in even for me like doing videos and plugging in another camera um, yeah, right all the creativity just gets sapped out of me and that I have to leave this stuff set up. And the same thing goes if like I was going to mic my amps. If, 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 if even it takes five minutes, sometimes yeah. I feel like it'll take me another half hour to get yeah. the juices flowing back to my fingers. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons we kind of ended up with this crazy setup here was that so that we could come in, essentially plug in and turn on. hit hit record and that said when it falls flat it are exactly what you just talked about where something doesn't quite work or a camera goes down or a battery expires or um some software on a pedal doesn't work and that's the point where you just you know it's gone yeah yeah (laughs) and you can see you can see us both deflate when it happens so yeah i suppose for the in the in the interest of expediency the other thing i would say is that you know, I don't do a lot of professional audio work, but I have done a, a healthy share in my time, and I still do a bit. If I stick a mic on a cab, and I like the amp, and I like the guitar player, I never have to fix it. I never have to fix anything. Sure. I've had to fix so many sounds that are not done that way. <laughs> <laughs> right, is, right. Is the, is the sort of most diplomatic way I can find a way of saying it sure um i got a couple questions from some of our patrons um we'll do these and we'll get into dipping the rig and i'll give you the yeah, uh, explanation of what that means yeah. <laughs> um but uh andrew regan asked uh, as someone who struggled with um with this was wanting to talk about the times that um as a musician you've fallen out of love with music and then trying to find a way to reinvigorate that excitement yeah, and passion for it again. Is that something that you guys or you specifically have oh, um, big time. dealt with? It's a great question, Andrew. And thanks for asking it. Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever fallen out of love with music. Yeah. 
I think music is the one thing that that would be guaranteed to get me motivated again to do pretty much anything actually um yeah i don't think i'd ever fall out of love with with music per se falling out of love with playing guitar absolutely i'm in a i I go through periodic ruts i'm in one at the moment where the last thing i want to do is play the guitar yeah and it's quite interesting because um psychologically it's interesting for me anyway as someone who about four or five years ago had realized that I'd been suffering with long-term minor depression. And I yeah. say minor because I, I never had, I'd never had a, a full breakdown. I didn't, ha- I wasn't medicated. Um, but it took me a long time, probably 20 years to, to go, actually this, I'm not just feeling a bit glum today. This is, this is a bit more than that. I discussed it with, with Catherine, my wife. Yeah. And she's like, oh, thank goodness, about time, <laughs> about time you realized. And I think that's why I, I mentioned that just briefly as I think it plays quite heavily into my experience of falling out of love with guitar. And it's it's about, for me, it's about, the, it's about fear. It's mm-hmm. about fear of not being good enough and about the fear of being disliked. Yeah. Especially when you occupy a public position because you know again this might be a little deeper than um than we're able to go in a few minutes let's but... go let's go okay okay <laughs> um i love it i you know i i okay as long just, as you're happy i'll go into it <laughs> real quick i went to school for and i finished up with psychology just to figure out all the things that were wrong with me you know uh, no so way. <laughs> yeah so yeah I I just I'm continually fascinated by it some sort of you know amalgam of psychology and philosophy where Guitar comes partly from an ego perspective, and in some cases, it comes greatly from an ego perspective. Mm-hmm. And for for me, it was and remains about ego in in a lot of ways because, you know, the the, the classic vision of a person stood on stage rocking a guitar, right? It's look at me, yeah. look at yeah. look at what I can do, look at this effect I can have on you, and you become identified with that, and it, it's unhealthy, uh, or at least it became unhealthy for me, and unraveling that ego from your desire to do it is has been really tough and i'm I, mm. i'm working on that really I, I work on it a lot i still listen to stuff every day i still have to check myself every day and to try and find the essence of why you play what is right. it what is it about you at your core that feels the desire to do this rather than your ego wanting to be liked and unraveling that's been tough anyway so falling out of love with it has usually because and it's pretty harsh right Mm. and the day i realized that i was kind of doing this to myself was a massive slap in the face day but it's i don't want to play guitar today because i'm not willing to put the work in right and what i hear in my playing is something inferior to what I want to be hearing, which is a whole mess psychologically, because if you feel inferior or superior, that's your ego, basically. Yeah. So you've just got to put that down. And uh, there is an English acronym, which may be true in the US as well, JFDI. You can Google it if you don't know what it means. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> and and occupying that, getting out of your head, right, about... Because the other thing your ego will do is it will it will construct all kinds of narrative about why you're not motivated to play yeah i'm terrible for this i'll be like oh i haven't got time um uh i'm too busy 
I don't have the space at home to do it. You know, you'll, you'll come up with 58,000 excuses of, of why you don't want to play. But I think uh, for, for me anyway, the bottom line has always been, I don't feel good enough and I don't want people to dislike me. And that manifests as I can't bring myself to, to do the work. And it's so destructive. It's so right. negative because yeah. the negativity that, 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 that fosters in your, in your mind is also exhausting. Yeah. And it's like this downward spiral. So I so apologies if it sounds like a downer, the, the, <laughs> the, um, the fix for me has always been pick up the guitar and play. Yeah. Go see I... a band, go see a buddy. I, I remember seeing, I think it was a Tomo Fujita video years ago, <laughs> years and years and years ago uh, with when John Mayer visited at Berkeley or something. And it, or it might've been some talk. And he said, you know, there's no prize for being the best guitar player. Yeah. Right. And I was like, damn, <laughs> I never <laughs> thought it. Cause that was, I was younger and I'd been playing guitar for, you know, way less time. And I was so obsessed with getting better and being recognized even in the, the the remarkably small bubble that I lived in. And when I, when I heard him say that it clicked something for me that it, it stopped being a competition with myself and, yeah. and just started, I, I just tried to focus on the, the love and enjoyment of it. But there's sometimes when I come in here and I, I pick up, you know, I, I have all the, pretty much, I have all the guitars I've ever wanted <laughs> and there's no reason in, in, for, for anything other than me that I sit down and I can't play them. And then some days that just happens. And for me, the best thing is just walking away. Just like, don't yeah. have it today. I, I don't have it. So I'm just going to listen to music or go, I don't know, watch Ghostbusters again or do some stupid thing that I like to do to turn my brain off from it. Yeah. Um, and it resets. But I, 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 I know that inner struggle that you're talking about because I've dealt with that in so many ways in my life. Um, because like I said, like I, when I, when I settled on psychology and, and I got my degree right before we graduated, all the teachers were like, you know, you guys are just trying to figure out yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, damn, yeah, I guess we are. But, um, I think like you have to like in, in, in the being good enough and all that, cause I feel that too. It's, you just kind of have to remember that these people all want to hang out with us not because of our skills but because we're us and that yeah. supersedes any riff or like inspiring thing that has ever come out of our hands you know yeah yeah absolutely and and i think you can if you look at how getting better because there's nothing wrong with wanting to be better right right yeah i think that that whole idea of improvement and wanting to improve on the instrument is perfectly healthy but getting that into some perspective of saying well it's just one step today is the this step and I'm, i'll do it for the journey rather than the destination because if i'm looking at the top of the mountain the whole time and going i still can't play cliffs of dover <laughs> perfectly in exactly the same way eric johnson can it's like okay well just learn one five note passage then that's it and have that for today that'll do and right it, chunking it in that way and and there, I, I think there's a, a slight element of getting older as well and realizing that well realizing two things for me one it's usually okay it usually turns out fine this too shall pass i i've right. i've seriously considered having that tattooed on the inside of my arm there 
this too shall pass yeah <laughs> because everything part and it will be okay it will it will be it will be fine and i just i don't know what <laughs> if you can just snap yourself out of that moment of feeling bad you like you say you can just go and do something else and say that's fine i'll pick that up tomorrow that might yeah. be too andrew that might be too deep an answer um <laughs> for the for the question you asked you might feel completely fine <laughs> about all of that and uh and yeah it's completely fine isn't it to not feel like playing a guitar today i don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, yeah absolutely so, yeah um I, the last quick question was from uh matthew dick uh, matthew dickin uh he was talking about your vlogs your guitar vlogs yeah. And uh, going on that journey with you, um, I really enjoyed the 335. I, I could see the absolute nightmare occurring on your face <laughs> as it went on and on. But uh, his uh, his question was, having gone down all these rabbit holes, what upgrade made the biggest or best impact on the instruments you were working on? And what would be something that you would recommend just not bothering with? I think it's all worth it for okay. the experience sure yeah um i think that's it's like all things in life right it's not about i'll say it again it's not about the destination it's about the journey it's about the uh -huh. learning you do while you while you do it and you do it for the doing i think there's great value in that um yeah. but but more prosaically the biggest effect by a million miles i had a um uh, a chinese epiphone casino that i bought on ebay for a challenge yep and the pickups had gone microphonic i think the covers were loose it yeah. had the resonant peak of it was just it was unusable it, it it just sounded awful to me um and i didn't want to play it and i changed them out for lollas and a new loom and that guitar will sit alongside any guitar in this studio now and i love playing it and it sounds great and it's musical so I think taking a, a more cost-effective guitar and really treating it to something, you know, uptown is yeah. a, is the most bang for buck you'll ever get. The Strat journey, um, swapping all the pickups in and out of my old blue Strat was ultimately a waste of time Uh huh. because, I mean, it wasn't a waste of time because I learned what the solution was and the solution was buy an old Strat. <laughs> right, which right. <laughs> is just about the most depressing solution you can you can arrive at and but a lot of that is is mind identified right so is a listener gonna gonna perceive that difference probably not right can i get over the fact that i probably don't perceive the difference when you're in the throes of playing and would you just be better off playing and not doing all of that probably you know probably but you've right. got to go there to come back i'll say it again <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah i but we again we all create these little narratives don't we about about why we do something or why it's worth doing and i guess yeah i i don't know it's better to know than to not know let's put it that way <laughs> right that, that's that's <laughs> very true well let's get into dipping a rig and then we'll wrap this thing up so uh, dipping a rig is where one of our patrons will send us a photo of their setup, preferably something they would take to a gig. And, um, we just kind of talk about it. Rhett and I oh, cool. nice. will uh, offer up, uh, our suggestions, things we would change things, Great. uh, we don't like whatever it's, it's, it's no pressure and everybody's in for a good time. So I've got this rig right here from Bill Craig. 
Hello, Bill. Boom. So what we've got is is quite a bit of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So he's got the big Schmidt array board, which to, I was looking through all the submissions and I was like, this is probably the most uh, TPS worthy like pedal board that I've seen. <laughs> yeah. um, let's start with the guitarist. He's got a, a Gretsch, um, some sort of jet. It's a G6134TFM. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, FM Flame Maple by the Yeah. It's, an, it's a flame top jet with Broadtron pickups. He's got a Silver Sky. He's got a, a telly that his father made, which is super cool. And then the pedal board here is is a doozy. Schmidt Array. Um, he's got the, let's see, I'm trying to find the order of everything. So he's got a, J, a JHS AB switcher, the uh, yeah. 29 pedals Una. 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 Uh, a uh, brown T4, a Jackson Bloom, a Mjolnir, a Wildwood Mjolnir. Uh, disaster area loop controller, a Snouse black box. This is so much stuff. A brown mm. protein, the light speed, the quad cortex, and then in the loop of the quad cortex is uh, a Layla dual expression pedal, the Sir Discovery, the Free the Tone Tri Avatar, a Keeley Halo, a New Neighbor, uh, Illumin Reverb, Jet Pedals Revelation, the Microcosm. Okay, it's a bunch of stuff. Yeah, man, that's um, pretty serious. But what do you think about this? To me, it's a bit overwhelming. Yeah. Because I look at a lot of this and go, wait, can't that quad cortex do all that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I like I know there's a you know, there's a difference and I get that. But if, if this is your setup, then you're gigging probably through mains. Uh, he doesn't mention anything about an amplifier. Um he it's no amps here he's playing um okay so direct yeah yeah this is like a direct headphone solution for right now uh, looking yeah. at getting an amp down the road but like if i were going to take this to a gig i would probably omit a lot of the gain stuff uh, the modulation yeah, and stuff I, I would probably keep i suppose it depends on the set doesn't it because right the most complex boards i've ever had is where there's been a set of music and i've had to have presets for different you know to try and get closer to specific tones but i i think what i'm feeling from you zach is and correct me if i'm wrong you can spend too much time worrying about that and it might be that you're trying to remember which co combination of stuff to select and which <laughs> preset to select that it kind of takes right. your head out of the game a little bit and you're thinking, yeah. oh, do I want do I want the protein on this or do I want the what some other overdrive? Right. Um and by the time you've thought about that, you're kind of you're out of it. Yeah. A little <clears throat> bit. Yeah. That I, would I mean, be my that would be my my thought process. But then that's because that's because I'm a simpleton when it comes <laughs> when it well, comes to stuff like that. So am I. And that like to me, I think, you know, with and this is all like, there's nothing on here that's I mean, all this stuff is great like everything you know if you if you ditch the quad cortex entirely and ran this all into an amp with everything all the modulation and whatnot into a loop i mean what could you not do you know cover yeah, everything right. but um but i see all this and it's like i to me i'd want to strip it down and and just kind of 
because if it's all going through that quad cortex anyway, which can model the pedals and do all those things in a way, um, I would like, I would just get lost on this pedal board in, in even in a practice situation or just, you know, sitting at home, I would be spending way too much time with knobs and not with my guitar strings. So I would probably ditch everything but the Wildwood Mjolnir. We'll just, we'll just leave that one on there for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe keep all the keep the modulation and stuff and run that into the quad cortex. And I would simplify this rig up. Oh, and by the way, we, we give this thing a rating 1 out of 10 shoils, which is a combination of shawl and broils. Oh, um, nice. And um, so I, I'll give this a rating. I love the guitars. I think that that, that covers a lot of sonic yeah. ground those those three instruments um but because of like the it's a bit overkill on the drive part of it in in my personal opinion i'm gonna give it eight and a half shoils okay uh i guess for me with the quad cortex is it there's a quad cortex analog drive through i think so yeah they they sound remarkably good it's it's I know it's like, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, if you drink the Kool-Aid, you, you tend to uh, evangelize for these things. And I've played them. I use the neural stuff for doing all my demos. And it, it really boggles my mind how good it sounds. Because it's not as much of a, this sounds like a recorded guitar sound, which yeah. I think most modelers have that. Like, oh, this sounds finished. Yeah. These things sound like an amp in another room you know, sort of thing. Yeah. We've had a couple through here and each time we've taken them off and plugged <laughs> the dude into amps and they've taken them off their boards. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's, well, that like always plugging happens. Plugging into an amp, I think is a totally different. Yeah. When anyone comes here, that always happens there. <laughs> we get yeah. one thing. Anyway, I won't go down that road. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to, if you took the neural off for me, it's, it's nine. If you leave a neural on, it's, three sorry damn <laughs> i can't i can't get out i just can't shots fired can't. shots fired I, yeah shots shots are fired because here's here's the thing and here's here's my plea i i, I you know you know steam trains right mm, yeah um i think steam trains occupy an important p part of of railway development because they were extremely important in, in making things happen. And there are steam train enthusiasts who feel good about, you know, putting coal in the thing and firing it up and going up a line. And it might be that they're not going to carry very many people around anymore. But without them, we don't know what the history was. And it's just, actually, this analogy isn't very good because the bullet train is supremely, uh, <laughs> it's just better in every way. I feel like a bit like a steam train, um, enthusiast because i feel like the further we go down this road the further rock and roll dies right and that is not to say that rock and roll should not morph into something different better because that's what's happened right Re rewind to the turn of the century uh, or the turn of the, the 20th century uh we went from gut string parlor guitars to X-braced steel string guitars to amplified steel string guitars to loudly amplified steel string guitars. And off we went and all the musical changes that that took. Brilliant. 
I personally have no interest whatsoever in seeing music develop beyond 1997, <laughs> six. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's think okay. it changed after that. I don't think it changed. I, I think what happened was, and there are artists that are out today that I love to the to the bottom of my heart, who are essentially doing a re revoiced version of what was then. Yeah, and I don't think it. I don't think it's got any better since then. I certainly don't think. I don't think there's been any better guitar sound created that wasn't available in the early nineties. Right. I think, and I I feel like someone has got to stand up and say, if somebody doesn't protect it is going to go away and i'm happy to be that hat wearing beacon of ridicule that might be <laughs> the last man standing <laughs> no I, I don't think you know for anyone that loves guitar the moment you play a real amp a loud amp yeah. um yep. it'll change your life I, I i remember when it exactly when it happened to me but the i i think that what we're going to see is just you know, the accessibility of good tone is just, I mean, we've seen it in the past, you know, it's since I started playing guitar 20 something years ago, it's, it's remarkable how immediate someone can get a good sound now when they first start, which was not the case yep. then, uh, it, which is funny because when it, when guitar became hyper popular in the fifties and the electric guitar. Yeah. The, yeah you know, yeah. The, the, your beginner rig is the thing that we all covet now, but, um, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, it, I, 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 I'm on, I'm on both sides of the fence because I will, would never choose to plug into the helix or the computer given the opportunity. But I know yeah. that that opportunity for most people going forward is going to fade and, and, and let's face it until, you know, the tube is is it's not going to last forever um it yeah, never I mean. will so it's 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 an interesting thing to think about how you know how finite this sort of technology is but i totally understand being a bastion of of keeping these things hot and i, I respect yeah that. i wouldn't i'm not that worried about the, the future of technology and the availability of tubes because there's going to be enough around to see you and Graham and probably Graham's grandkids. <laughs> right. If we're still allowed to plug into tube amps um, for, for that. I, I guess I come from a point of, I go to so many gigs and I just feel sad with what I hear uh -huh. um, over, over process front of house. The guitar player steps up to take a solo either F front of house forgets to put them up or the sound is so thin and brittle and lacking in any mid-range you can't hear them anyway yeah and it's just countless 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 gigs i go to where i see that especially this world of iems where and i get that you know every major touring artist in the world is not it's not an attack on iems it's saying that done badly is much worse than the other alternative because what you get is everyone in their own little world yeah you get a disconnection of musicians and you just get this odd thing where I would honestly rather they just played the record instead of trying to make it sound like the record sure. and feel yeah. like the record. 100%. So I, I, I do stand up for, for rock and roll and for ensembles of people who play together as a band. 
and are willing where the front of house is willing to work with the on-stage sound. And to me, it's not like you mustn't do it the other way. I guess what I'm saying is that's where I feel my connection with music, again, that is transformative, that is that kind of sacred place of the reason I love this thing so much. It's when a group of people end up doing that together. Yeah. So, I don't think maybe the things aren't mutually exclusive. I'm saying I see it more when that's the, that's the scenario. Right. Yeah. And I I agree. And it's funny, you know, it's like something that can help us so much can become this weird crutch for for so many. (laughs) Um, But anyway, what overdrive pedal should I use tonight? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you just have too damn many. You just got to get them out of there. Just get them out of there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how often do you like shuffle the deck on the wall um funnily enough we were talking about doing it just recently i i i've rearranged my side of the uh wall mm-hmm. yesterday because we got people coming in tomorrow and uh it was it was a bit of a mess um dan dan's side replicates dan's brain uh-huh. which is my my brain's in straight lines mm-hmm. dan is um well, not straight lines. Spaghetti on a plate. <laughs> yeah, a little bit like that. <laughs> well, I think that just about covers it. Uh, uh, again, check out uh, the, the Dipped in Tone Patreon. You guys, you have a Patreon, correct? We do, yeah. Um, Patreon.com slash that pedal show. There you go. So go check uh, we that do out. Monthly, we do monthly giveaways, actually, uh, and we put out a podcast of our comments and questions show which happens most mondays so mm-hmm. yeah uh patreon.com that pedal show and then um you have your retail outlet stuff you want to plug that real yeah that pedal shop.com in the u.s and canada uh fast and free shipping to the lower 48 uh, <laughs> uh yeah all kinds of stuff that pedal show store.com but this is this is your thing please please sign up to uh Zach and Rhett's uh, Patreon and do well, all of that, still, please. Wherever Rhett is, we don't even know. Uh, also, yeah, big yeah. thanks to Sweetwater for sponsoring this episode. And don't forget to go to sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone and uh, check out the giveaway. You know, you can decide for yourself which rig is better. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Mick, thank you so much for having a conversation. I, I appreciate you going deep. I think the community needs that. Um, thanks, sometimes man. we often just get lost in this, like, everything's great and all pedals rule and and we're all happy and that's not true we're all people and like we we should be able to talk about um all the things that we deal with and i think that's that's fantastic so uh, i appreciate it and i appreciate you and and what both you and and dan do for the guitar world uh as a whole it's awesome likewise man likewise it's uh it's a pleasure to be a part of it awesome thanks everybody for listening we'll catch you later (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.